don't settle and don't get comfortable. And I mean that both in your career and your personal life. It is very easy when something is fine or even good to mm. just let that be. And things are, there's nothing wrong, but it's not like the ultimate thing that you want to do. And it takes guts to say no to something good to go pursue something great. From sunny California, welcome to the Vision of the People podcast, a show about visionaries from various industries who share their inspiring stories and give advice to people wanting to make an impact on the world. As always, I'm your host, Rushi, like sushi with an R. And on today's episode, we talk with the fantastic Rosie O'Neill, who is the co-founder and co-CEO of Sugarfina. Rosie is an entrepreneur with a major sweet tooth. In July 2012, she launched her first company, Sugarfina, a luxury candy boutique featuring a collection of artisan sweets from around the globe. Inspired by a third date screening of the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Rosie and her co-founder slash fiancé, Josh Resnick, dreamed up a candy boutique for grown-ups, featuring the finest confections packaged beautifully in the brand's signature blue bento boxes. Named one of the world's most beautiful candy shops by Architectural Digest, Sugarfina is disrupting the $200 billion confections industry with an innovative store design and experience. The first store opened in November of 2013 in Beverly Hills and now includes over 30 boutiques in North America in major cities such as New York, San Francisco, Boston, Chicago, Toronto, and Vancouver. Rosie has also been featured on Fast Company's 100 Most Creative People's list and Goldman Sachs' 100 Most Intriguing Entrepreneurs. Before Candy, Rosie played with dolls for seven years as Director of Marketing for Barbie at Mattel, where she led a $600 million global business unit that sold more than 50 million Barbie dolls annually. Rosie has gotten her undergrad and MBA from UCLA, a super sweet episode. Certainly hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome to another episode of Vision of the People podcast. We have a super exciting episode today. I would rather say it's more a more sweet episode. Uh, sorry to start off on a bad pun, but um, I'd always like to, to start off with this. Um, Rosie, you're the co-founder and co-CEO of Sugarfina. Um, how did you end up starting one of the world's coolest companies and and if i've read right it has something to do with willy wonka yes and and thank you so much for being here i think this is going to be a really fun um story to tell and i'm excited to be able to share the sugar story with your listeners uh we started the company so my co-founder josh was um he's now my fiance and he took me to see willy wonka and the chocolate factory on our third date so it was actually the original movie we went to this cute outdoor screening and after seeing that movie we just kind I started this conversation around what happened to candy why has candy kind of become like junky and it's for kids and you're shoveling it by the pound into a plastic bag there's nothing gourmet or elegant about it what would a candy store for grown-ups look like and that was really the spark of the idea Wow, super interesting. So when, when I was researching about your company, uh, rumor has it that you've tasted over 2,500 different candies and you've traveled dozens of countries in the quest of starting the company. You know, is this rumor true? And, and if it is, can you walk us through those exciting times? 
Yes, uh, I didn't eat 2,500 candies in one day, thankfully, because uh, (laughs) I think I'd never want to taste candy again. Um, But we went on this really exciting journey around the world, and it was over a couple years' time. So it wasn't like in this condensed amount of time. Sugarfina actually was kind of this back burner hobby idea that we had as Josh and I were, you know, dating and falling in love. We both worked at our existing companies. Um, But what what we liked about that time period is it gave us time to really explore and discover and so our method was we would go into you know these different cities when we would travel and we would try to go off the beaten path and find really interesting candies that we'd never seen before in the U.S. We would track down the candy maker. We would go show up and say, hey, we have this idea. We're really interested in bringing your candy to the U.S. We have this really, you know, high-end concept and we want to showcase your, your candy in the best light. Can we work together? And we were really lucky because we got a really great response right away. And we started just to amass this collection of, of beautiful, unique candies that had never been sold in the U.S. before. Yeah, I was, I was, I was reading up on your story um, with the flavors. You have, you know, rosé, gummy bears. Uh, it's, just, it's just fascinating. So um, as, I, as I got into it more, you know, the branding, the story, design, product, um, they all speak volumes and, and really display your unique creativity. So, you know, my, my follow-up question to that is, you know, how did you really come up with, with new products and new flavors? And, and can you share, like, a memorable story of your bestseller or something? Absolutely. In the beginning, because we were so small, we had to work with existing candies that already existed. And they weren't in the U.S. yet. They were in kind of these small areas of Europe um, and and Japan and a couple other places. But as we got bigger, what was great was we then had the scale to be able to create candies completely unique to us. So we got to play Willy Wonka in a way, which is fun. (laughs) And I think that's been the most uh, fun part of this company. So as an example, um, Rosé. Uh, back in 2016 was so hot it was like peak rosé it was selling out everywhere it was all the buzz and we were able to partner with Whispering Angel which was one of the most popular brands um, and we created a rosé infused gummy bear and it was just kind of one of those on the off the you know cuff sort of ideas that were like well yeah let's put it out let's see what happens we were blown away by the reaction we launched and the entire year's production run sold out in two hours on our website It crashed the website three times. So we started a waiting list and the waiting list got up to about 18,000 people. And just, I mean, the press coverage was insane. It totally went viral and I'd never experienced anything like that before. And so it was a blast to just ride that wave and and really be part of this conversation that was kind of happening nationally. And um, it was very cool. Wow. I mean, that's stunning. 18,000 people just wanting to eat candy. Yes. Wow. That's awesome. So, so you know, sort of transitioning now to, to your story, uh, which has almost been like a fairy tale to a young girl, um, you know, from, from leading Barbies at Mattel to now Candy, you know, when you were a kid, is this something that you ever thought you would do? I I definitely agree with you that I've probably had every five-year-old girl's dream career, and I think that's awesome. I think everyone really should go out and pursue what they're passionate about and Mm. what what feels like play to them and and is fun. Um, I, uh, you know, as a kid... 
I was I was sort of an entrepreneur without realizing it. Like mm. I would start, you know, a little friendship bracelet company. I had a whole babysitting mafia. You know, I basically babysat the whole neighborhood. Um, so I didn't. I wasn't really surrounded by any entrepreneurs. So I didn't even really understand the concept that like you could have your own business or you could start a company. That really came later in life when I started to meet more people. You know, in college and business school who were doing mm. that. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. One day I'd love to do that. But. I'm a somewhat kind of um, conservative, practical person. I'm the firstborn of six kids, and mm. I did things kind of the you know the normal way. And so for me, it really helped to be able to go and work at a big corporate company, kind of learn the ropes, and then take that leap to start Sugar Feeder. Ooh, very interesting there too. So so it's it's incredibly impressive that this is your first company, right? Yes. Yeah. So massive, and and it's yeah. I don't, th- I don't think the friendship bracelet company counts. <laughs> <laughs> I was only making like twenty dollars in revenue. <laughs> okay, this is much better then. Um, and and this has been a hit. So you know, how has the learning curve been? Um, you know, how is this unlike anything you've ever done before? Right now, entrepreneurship really seems to be cool or in fashion. But what's really the hardest part of being an entrepreneur, and and how has that learning curve been? Well, this is by far the hardest thing I've ever done. And every day feels like one of the hardest days because I think the, you know, the the challenges continue to change every day. And and what was uh, what I thought was a huge hard challenge back in the beginning. Now I look back on that and wish that I had those kinds of problems <laughs> because they were a lot easier to solve. Um, but being an entrepreneur is not for everyone, and that is totally okay. I think it's good to know that about yourself and to know if that's kind of the the type of life you want to have because mm. it really does take over your life and your company becomes your life and I love that that really works for me but other people want to have more of a balance and I think that's totally great too uh, I think the big challenges for us um, the creative part and the candy and all of that came really naturally I think that's because in some ways I was just designing for myself and designing what I would like and fortunately <laughs> other people liked it too but the challenges have been on the scaling side and um, you know we've we've in some ways kind of been a, a victim of our own success we've had so much demand which is awesome but scaling the business has been really hard um, and it continues to be really hard and it's one of those things I'm just constantly working on and constantly chipping away at but um, I I think from the outside sometimes it appears like it was just so magical and easy and it it really was a lot of blood sweat and tears and candy (laughs) (laughs) wow so is this is this is this something that kind of keeps you up at night, would you say, like the scaling or, or you know, the next issues? Yeah, I'd say the scaling is what keeps me up at night because we're continuing to go through those challenges. And I think a lot of companies at our size, um, you know, kind of continue to go through those challenges. I think the other thing is, you know, we really try to focus on building an amazing team and retaining our team and really nurturing the talent here. And so it's not that that's like, a problem, but it is something I think about constantly because mm. culture doesn't just happen, right. and culture is not a ping pong table. Um, culture is really something where you have people who are motivated and inspired and passionate and feel like they are doing their best work. And so I want to make sure that everyone on the team feels that way, and that takes conscious effort. It doesn't. It doesn't just happen. You have to hire the right people. You have to treat them in a certain way, and you have to empower them. Yeah, well said. And, and your business is, is really sweet. I mean, the candy business is sweet, but 
the business of, of actually making that happen is anything but that, in my opinion. Um, how are you dealing with competition? More, more specifically, you know, how are you, how are you really viewing your competitors? Let's say something like like a classic C's candy, even though I wouldn't say they're artisan, but they're still like viewed as the candy company that you know has been here for I think around a hundred years. years. Yeah, yeah over a hundred yeah. years. So, so how do you you know walk me through that? How do you see them? Your perspective? Yeah. When we went into this space, I mean, confections is obviously a huge industry. It's over $200 billion globally, which is crazy huge. Wow. Um, I think that's a good thing because that means you don't have to educate people on what the product is. People mm-hmm. get it. People are familiar with candy. What we wanted to do was we wanted to be dramatically different from anything else that was out there so that we were essentially carving out our own white space. And so that's why we're our whole mission was to be the opposite of any candy store that you ever went into. We weren't old-fashioned. We weren't scooping you know candy from a shovel into a plastic bag we wanted to make it elevate elevated and really beautiful and elegant at the same time we didn't want to go to the other side with like some chocolate companies very high quality but they're almost intimidating you walk in and you're like oh gosh Mm. i feel intimidated i i have to you know there's this glass case separating me from the product Mm. we wanted it to be playful and fun in addition to being luxurious and very high quality and we really haven't seen any other company out there that's doing that for candy and so yes we're obviously very sensitive to competition and want to make sure um, you know that we're always innovating and differentiating ourselves but that's what we focus on we don't focus on who's around us we focus on what's ahead and how do we continue to stay a step ahead of the category and keep our customers engaged keep them you know thinking like wow i want to go to sugar phoenix because they always have the newest coolest most delicious candy yeah no you're definitely right on that i've been um you know, browsing through social media, and I was just checking out, you know, some of your customer feedback, and and they they're really good. They're like, I'm running out of these gummy bears. They're like, <laughs> when can I order them next? And, and 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 that's really been exciting. So, you know, late last year, um, I've had the blessing of speaking with people like yourself um, through last year with my podcasting, and I actually wrote an article on the observations that I've been making, and and I really feel that the next generation of consumer products. Um, will design, sell, and build uh, technology or products around selling engineered experiences and and, and experience-based products. Mm -hmm. So having said that, how do you see retail changing? Because I really think you're you're on the front lines and you're really guiding this space. So how is that changing? How are you sort of moving around this area and how do you see it evolving? Yeah, the future of retail is how do you create an experience that you can't replicate online? Because you probably feel this way. I definitely feel this way. It is so much easier to just order something online and not think about it and it shows up at your door. How do you get someone to get off their couch or get out of their car and go walk into a store? And the way to do that is with experiences. And so some of the things that we do are, um, you know, right away when you walk into our store, you're greeted with samples. You get to try different candies. Hmm. You can't do that online. Yeah. We have a really fun, engaging, interactive experience where you get to design your own bento box and actually Mm. mix and match and pick your favorite candies to put in the box. We have that experience online, but it's not tactile. There's something fun about being actually able to like touch and hold the packaging and really see it and get that kind of 360 view. Um, That's another thing that you just can't get online. We love to have things like events and kind of special things. Like, for example, we did this big collab with um, Hello Kitty. Mm -hmm. And so we had an event where we had Hello Kitty come to our store. You got to meet her, take pictures with her. People went crazy. We had a line of like 400 people down the block waiting to get into this event. 
those are things you can't replicate online. So that's how I think. I'm always thinking, what's that thing that's going to bring people in? Oh, one other one is um, Instagram. Hmm. People are constantly looking for Instagram content. You're not going to take a picture of your computer screen. You want to go into a pretty store and be like, oh, I'm here in this pretty store. And, you know, here's a picture of me in front of the candy wall. And so that's another thing that I think um, motivates people to to go out in the world and and have retail experiences. You couldn't have said it more perfectly because as as I was waiting in the lobby, I was actually taking photos of the candy. Yeah, yeah. We have a mini store in our in our company headquarters. It's great. We, We love that. So, so that's super awesome. You, you really spoke of the changes, but um, I want to get into a little bit of the personal side. Uh, Josh, um, who you're engaged with, mm-hmm. is now is also your the other co-founder. Yep. You know, how has your relationship with him changed over over the years now as the business has also evolved? It has been, um, I think, really great for our relationship, but I think we have a very unique partnership. So Mm. almost everyone that I talk to is like, I could never work with my spouse or my boyfriend. We would kill each other. And (laughs) we, in a weird way, almost are better together than we are when we're apart. And I think that the more time we spend together, the healthier our relationship is. And going through this experience with Sugarfina and like opening 50 stores, we may as well have had 50 children together it's Mm. just that level of intensity and collaboration and so I think we've been through something that most couples will never go through that intense of a partnership and fortunately for us I think that partnership has really made our relationship amazing wow any any quick uh partnership advice or relationship (laughs) uh make sure you have the same work ethic I think that is definitely the most important thing if anyone feels like their partner or their co-founder isn't pulling their weight that's just a recipe for resentment and you know things not going very well I think the other thing is really respect your partner's area of skill and and let them do what they do best um Josh and I have a very clear split of responsibilities I handle more of kind of the front of house so the product development and design the marketing the sales channels the retail stores Josh does more of the behind the scenes so finance operations legal um, people and culture and that split has actually made it so it's really easy to work together and we just inherently trust each other and um, it, it works out really well yeah it's it's it's, it's seemingly great um, it seems like you found the yin and the yang so so Moving, moving, moving along. I think what is something that's made a significant contribution to your life? Something that you recommend to everyone. A lot of times it's books. Sometimes it's traveling or an experience. In your opinion, you know, what do you what do you really recommend for everyone doing? For me, it was really kind of this sort of I guess you could call it a little bit of a spiritual journey, but not not necessarily spiritual. I went through this period of time in my life, and this was when I was transitioning from Mattel, the big company, mm-hmm. to starting my own business. I knew that I was going to be going from a very cush job with a great salary to basically making no money. And in some ways, even like pouring my own savings into the company. And I needed to wrap my head around that because up until that point, I was very much of this mindset of, I'll be happy when I have a house Mm. or I'll be happy when I have this designer bag. And what I did was I forced myself, when I was still at Mattel with, um, you know, a good salary, I forced myself to really cut down my standard of living. And um, I actually ended up having only $100 a week for sort of discretionary spending. Wow. So like food, you know, I stopped getting manicures. I stopped getting, you know, buying clothes. But what happened was I really found this sense of peace because I realized that I could be happy with no money. 
And mm. that was a very liberating feeling. And so I encourage people, sometimes you sort of get stuck in this rat race or of comparing yourself to other people of like, well, if I was just as wealthy as them or if I just had such great clothes as yeah. they have, I'll be happy. But really happiness comes from that moment you realize that you can be happy with nothing. And so I got to that moment and it was great. And and that's where I still am right now. And um, it, it really changes the decisions I make about my life. You know, I want to make sure that I make life decisions that are going to make me happy and not just put me on this, you know, rat race path of what other people think should success should look like. Wow. So tangibly, would you say like, look at the way you're living today and see what you can cut off and live without? I would say live below your means is kind of okay. in a nutshell what that means. So, you know, you get uh, you get a promotion or a salary increase. Don't, like, immediately go out and spend it. Mm-hmm. Like, save it. It feels awesome when you can save up money and have, like, a good, you know, safety net, pay off your debt. Uh, that was, I think, the most liberating thing for me was when I truly did live below my means. Hmm. That's really interesting because over the, over the past year myself and the past 18 months, um, I've really gotten into like meditation and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And, and the conclusion I'm at now is I honestly think, and I tell this to, to my friends all the time, that I genuinely feel I have everything I, I need to, to live a happy life. Yep. When, you, when you look inside, when you see if you're healthy, your parents are healthy, you have a roof over your head, you're in California, you're in the United States out of all the countries you could be in. Uh, to have the opportunity, sure, you know, some things are hard, but if, if you got the basics covered, you're living the 1% life compared to everyone. Absolutely, absolutely. It's such an important thing to keep in mind and that, that sense of gratitude. Yeah. Even gratitude for the small things, like where you were born. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. people, I'm sure, listening to your podcast might have been born in the United States or born into a country where they had the ability to listen to a podcast, Yeah, you know? I mean, that alone, you won the lottery. (laughs) Be grateful for that. Definitely. So so now I really want to get into, like, you know, I want to dive into this deeply into why I sort of started this podcast and why you gave me this great opportunity to interview interview you and understand your story. It's really to inspire the next generation, uh, my generation, people that are wanting to do things differently and kind of want out of that rat race. You know, you're a great role model. You know, what advice do you give specifically to to women looking to get into entrepreneurship? I think um, last year was a really big revelation for women around the world of all all the things that are going right and all the the things coming out in the limelight. Um, So I think I also want my podcast to be be a place where they can also grow and I can give an opportunity to, to empower them in any way. So channeling that through you obviously yeah. um, would love the advice that you would give to them yeah I think your mindset is really important I, I have seen a lot of women who go into entrepreneurship or maybe go into an industry that's more male dominated and they almost like look for the inequalities and they sort of in some ways dwell on it like oh I went to a pitch meeting and you know they didn't invest in me because I was a woman I would say shift your mindset to look for the positive and look for the opportunities because they are absolutely there. And I think in a lot of ways, especially in this moment in time we're going through right now, women have an advantage and have the ability to stand out in a way that they never have before. I think that the mindset is really shifting kind of across across all genders that having a woman's perspective particularly if you're um you know in a company or a product that that tar- you know mm-hmm. targets or services women 
you're going to be so much more successful than a man in that role. And I think people are finally really waking up to and embracing that. Um, you know, I said on the board that uh, the head of the board was so, so excited to bring more women onto the board. Mm. And it has dramatically, um, you know, impacted the success of their company, I believe, because they are getting that more balanced perspective. So I think my advice would be don't focus on or look for those things that maybe still feel unequal, and there definitely are still inequalities. Mm -hmm. But think about how you can be a role model for other people. Think about how you can be bold and go after it. Think about how you can reach out to women mentors because, you know, I I have so many women in my life who are kind of, you know, huge role models and mentors to me. And then there's a lot of women who are kind of getting into entrepreneurship for the first time. I love talking to them and, and giving them, you know, advice and things that they can do or not do to avoid some of the mistakes that I made. Hmm. Great, good, great advice. And a follow-up to that is what are a few ways, in your opinion, that we, I think everyone around us, including guys, can, can really help empower women? I think it's the open-mindedness and, and recognizing that there is a lot of value in bringing women's perspective to the table. Um, you know, women work incredibly hard. <laughs> uh, I, we are very happy that we have such a large um, percentage of women in our company because uh, we just have an awesome group who's so dynamic and so passionate. But I think also it's a perspective. I think there's there's different ways of thinking, different ways of approaching problems, different ways of you know approaching team dynamics and collaboration. They're not like good or bad, mm -hmm. but I think it's important to have the balance of the two perspectives because anytime you go in one extreme or the other, you're missing out. Yeah. Um, you know, we're a society that includes men and women. Men yeah. and women should be at the table for pretty much everything in my mind. Word. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say anything more. I mean, I completely agree. And, and thanks for that such elaborate explanation. And, and I think that was transparent and clear. Um, so getting into the last two um, questions here, you know, again, this is kind of different for this is for people, you know, men and women um, that are both in their 20s and that really want to live ambitions, ambitiously and with a purpose. Um, you've been fortunate enough to, to really find something um, that was your calling. You really enjoy it. You're, it's kind of like your life's purpose now. You know, what is something that you would tell yourself if you could go back in time to that period and, and how you can deal with things differently and how you can find your, your journey uh, almost? I think one of the things that is kind of a, a mantra for me is don't settle and don't get comfortable. And I mean that both in your career and your personal life. It is very easy when something is fine or even good to mm. just let that be. And things are, there's nothing wrong, but it's not like the ultimate thing that you want to do. And it takes guts to say no to something good to go pursue something great. And I think that you always have to kind of be honest with yourself of, Am I settling? Am I comfortable? Because you should always be a little bit uncomfortable. That means you're growing. Mm. That means you're learning. And like I told you earlier, I'm uncomfortable every single day. That means I have a lot more work to do at Sugarfina because I'm still learning a lot and I'm still growing. And uh, I think that applies to relationships too. You should you know, be in your ideal relationship. Not like you have this checklist of things mm. that the person has to have, but you should be with a person who really brings out the best you. And if the person you're with doesn't make you the best person you can be, you need to find someone who does. Solid advice. 
Um, okay, so last question. It's been great conversation so far. Um, we are living in perhaps one of the most prosperous times uh, in humanity, in my opinion. If you even look at statistics, it sort of supports that. You know, what is your vision during these exciting times, and what sort of world do you wish to build? I am so excited about all of the amazing technology that is coming out. I mean, to think that 10 years ago we didn't have iPhones. I mean, that is literally like, I don't even think I could live without my iPhone. What did I do 10 years ago? But those kinds of things are starting to happen so fast, and it's exciting. Um, so I think that's a big one. I think also there's just a lot more authenticity um, that, that people are really kind of doing when they come out with companies or when they launch new brands we're getting a lot less of the faceless corporation and a Mm. lot more of people with real stories and who are doing things that inspire them and that, you know, they dreamed of and they created. I think that's much more, it's like that emotional connection that people can have with brands and products. I think that's fantastic. Um, And then, you know, I, one of the things that's not so great about the current time is just how divisive things are. And mm-hmm. I think because we have the ability to almost go into our little tribes and our yeah. little worlds, that is a big problem. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to the opportunity that we can solve that. And we can bring back that kind of dialogue of maybe you don't agree with people, but you're at least talking to yeah. people you don't agree with. Hey, I love that. So so with that, the question side's done. Let's dive into the this or that section. It's going to be okay. 30 seconds. Cool. I'll just... I'll just give you two options. You just pick one. Um, here we go. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Detailed or abstract? Uh, so I love both, but I guess I probably lean towards detailed. <laughs> Noise or silence? Silence. Book or movie? Mm, movie. Flying or driving? Driving, for sure. In L.A., too? I just, it's so <laughs> relaxing. That goes back to the noise. I can be, like, silent in my car, and it's so relaxing. And mm. listen to podcasts. Oh, true. <laughs> <laughs> Cold or hot? Hot. Work or play? Sadly, I'm going to say work because I actually really like working. So work is play, I guess. Work is play for me, I guess, sometimes. And- and then the last one, the best one, sweet or spicy? Well, obviously, I'm <laughs> going to say sweet, right? Yeah, it's a trick question. Well, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Rosie. Guys, please check out sugarfina.com. Um, on, they're all on all the socials, Insta, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, again, we wish you the, all the best. Um, we cannot thank you enough for giving us this opportunity to share great advice um, and, and something I know our listeners, including myself, will take home and really better ourselves in 2019. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was really fun. And thank you for the great questions. (laughs) We really hope you enjoyed that. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Please like us on Facebook at Vision of the People podcast. And do give your thoughts to me at Lil Rushi Shah on Twitter on who I should have next on the show. If you found this insightful or interesting, share it with someone that could find this helpful. As Mahatma Gandhi once said, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. Till next time, keep striving.